Hello and welcome to episode 12 of the SkyCast, Playoffs Edition, presented by Lockdown Women's Basketball and High Post Hoops. I'm your host, Nick Niedorf, here to talk to you about all things Chicago Sky. Now stop missing out on all the great WNBA playoff content we have going on, and make sure you're following us on Twitter at LockdownWBB and High Post Hoops. On this episode, we're going to talk about what went right and what needs work from Chicago's game against Phoenix. After that, we're going to dig a little into Chicago's upcoming game against Vegas. Chicago had an absolutely stellar game against the Mercury. It wasn't necessarily the biggest surprise just because the Sky were heavily favored in this matchup, especially at home and the Mercury without Diana Taurasi. But the Mercury are the Mercury, and they have proven themselves time and time again in these single elimination games. And in the playoffs, they're much more experienced than the Sky overall up and down that roster. And they still have Dewana Bonner and Brittany Griner. And so going into this, I know I was worried about the Mercury. I was a little worried about the Sky against the Mercury, how they matched up, how they were going to play. Even though the Sky swept them during the regular season, I just always kind of go in with the mindset that the regular season and the playoffs are two different animals. And in that sense, that animal generally favors the Mercury. But the Sky really just wiped the floor with the Mercury. They won 105-76. to 76. And of course, that comes with the caveat that, again, Diana Taurasi was dealing with her hamstring injury, which she may have been able to play through if the Mercury had made it to the second round, but she was not going to risk it in the first round. It just, it just wasn't right. And then, of course, Brittany Griner went down in the first half. She tr- did try coming back in that second half with a, a knee brace on. But it was just so obvious that that she just didn't look right. Brittany Griner is usually such a fluid athlete, and she really just had a bad limp out there. She wasn't very mobile on offense or defense, and the Sky were playing at such a frenetic pace that she she couldn't stay on the floor. And it really, I, I know every time I saw her set a screen or get the ball in the post, like I just cringed because I just worried about that knee. So there's no official diagnosis out there yet as of the time that I'm recording this. But hopefully things are okay for her and it's, it's just a, a deep knee bruise or something of that nature. Hopefully it's, it's nothing more serious than that um, just because Brittany Griner is such a fun player to watch and, and she's got a good overseas season up ahead of her. And so it was, it was a game that, that dampened the mood a little bit. I mean, any injury that looks like it could be that serious during a game is always going to kind of dampen the mood. But I, I thought it was encouraging that she did at least try to you know go through it and play in that second half. She was able to play in that second half. Uh, head coach of the Mercury, Brondello, was pretty adamant that it wasn't an ACL or anything like that, which pretty obvious that Brittany Griner was able to come back into the game that wasn't an ACL. But we just, you know, hopes out for her that it's nothing serious and it's it's something that she can take a month of rest and, and, and get through because, again, it's just a shame to see somebody that good not be able to play in the playoffs. And that's really been the story of the Mercury all year is struggling through injuries, trying to field a competitive team while dealing with injuries to very key players and players just up and down that depth chart. So it's been a tough season for them. Hopefully they can get healthy in the offseason and, and come back to 2020 better than ever. But for the Sky, it meant that it was a runaway game. Midway through the third, towards the end of the third, and then definitely in the fourth, it completely got away from the Mercury. They really just looked gassed. There was a very clear difference in talent between the two teams, which, again, it's not a slight to the Mercury or anything. Diana Taurasi is out. Brittany Griner was out for most of the game. Duana Bonner was trying to put that team on her back, 
Brienne January was also trying to put that team on her back. She had a, a really good, really good showing, but again, it just wasn't enough. There was a very clear talent differential and the sky were playing well enough in that second half where, you know, the Mercury would have had to play a perfect game to make it close. And it just wasn't. So for the sky, again, there are the injuries and there are those caveats. And when they roll into the aces, which we'll, we'll talk about later, the aces are going to be healthy. They're going to have a lot more talent up and down that roster that is available. And so that's going to be a completely different matchup. It, it boded well for them just because they took care of business. And that's something that the sky of week six, week seven, you couldn't count on them to do that. They were still very inconsistent. And that's not saying that they're the most consistent team out there right now, but the fact that they were able to come in and just dispatch the Mercury in that second half says a lot about how far this team has come and how they might perform against the Aces. Because the sky showed up. The first half had some deep flaws, and we're going to talk about that in a minute when we get to weaknesses and some downsides to that game. But the fact of the matter is they won, and they won handily, which which they needed to do. They needed another momentum bringer after that rough Mystics game and just kind of remind themselves how they can play, how good they can be. And, and they really brought that to fruition. I mean, and I wrote an article about this that came out on High Post Hoops yesterday. Feel free to check it out. It's mostly about Diamond and how fast the Sky play. But the Sky played so friggin' fast during that game. Like, it was it was clear. Obviously, the Mercury were dealing with injuries, but they looked gassed in that second half. And they just looked like they were getting run off the floor by the Sky. And that was something that I really liked. And in that first quarter, the Sky were playing really fast. The second quarter, they got bogged down a little bit. But then in the third and fourth, they kind of got back into things and they were playing fast again. And it just seemed to really catch up with the Mercury. And whether or not that translates to the Aces is a question for a little late in the podcast. But against the Mercury, it worked really well. And it's huge that the Sky were able to realize that because that's how they play best. That's how they should play every single night. And they've kind of gotten away from a couple of those games where other teams were able to slow them down and get them bogged down in the half court. They've gotten away from teams being able to do that for two or three or four quarters in a game. The Sky have done a really good job at being able to push the pace no matter what, whether they're playing good or bad defense, whether they're facing good or bad defenses, they're able to stick to their identity and keep going back to it. Another thing that I really liked was Diamond Shield showed up. Credit the sophomore, she had 25 points, four rebounds, three assists, a steal, and two blocks. And one of those blocks probably could have been counted as a steal as well. That could go either way. But just an incredible overall night from her. She was just locked in every single minute she was on the floor. She she looked excellent. She looked like the superstar the sky knows she can be. She took 19 shots, hit 10 of them, was one for four from three. And the sky need that in the playoffs. It's one thing to have this great system that works really well throughout the regular season and can win you 20 games in a regular season and has well-rounded play from everyone and you have different contributors that can pitch in in a moment. But in the playoffs, having bona fide superstar scoring in the playoffs is irreplicable. Like, you either have it or you don't. And Chicago proved that they have it. In that game, they proved that Diamond can be the player that they rally around, that they feed when they need buckets, that they feed when they need to get back into the game or push the lead. She proved herself. And I think the question 
wasn't necessarily whether or not she could do it in the regular season because she had plenty of games where she did do that. It was whether or not she could show up for the playoffs. And it wasn't a knock against her. It was just an unknown because she hasn't been to the playoffs before. But she showed up in her debut. And so I don't want to harp too much on Diamond just because I do have that article out. Again, you can check it out on High Post Hoops. has a great or terrible pun title, depending on how you look at it. But I also want to talk about the rest of the starters. I think the easy one to talk about is Courtney Vandersloot. She passed really well the whole game. Had an okay night shooting the ball. Um, she started off pretty rough, but kind of kind of got back into it as the game went off. She did have a three that got waved off in the first quarter, so that hurt her a little bit. But again, the passing was there. Uh, four turnovers, but with eleven assists, you're gonna you're gonna live with it. She. Was, it was weird because she was obviously very involved in the offense and she was making good plays, but I almost didn't feel like she left the same mark that she could have, which again is insane to say when she had 11 assists, but I think that bodes well for the sky because there are very few games where you can kind of have Courtney Vandersloot go under the radar. And again, a lot of that is due to Diamond doing so well, uh, Griner going out, I think kind of distracted me a little bit from that. But I think Vandersloot can reach an even higher ceiling in the playoffs than, than she hit in that game. And again, it, does, it doesn't boil down to statistics or anything like that. It's her taking control of the game. And I think part of that was Diamond was really on. So Vandersloot did not have to take control of the offense completely. She ceded some of the reins to Diamond because she was doing so well. So that'll be an interesting dynamic moving forward. But again, appreciated Vandersloot just, again, coordinated the offense when she needed to really got her teammates in a good positions and just played a, played a good ball game. Allie Quigley, again, kind of flew under the radar, but still had 15 points, seven a ton from the field, really had a stellar game. It's just Diamond was, was that good where it was easy to forget. But I think with Quigley, the big thing was, and this is kind of leading to my next point, she, she really didn't get too much into the game until the second half. And one thing I did like overall with this guy, all the starters scored in the fourth. When this guy really put... The Mercury away in the fourth quarter. That was when all the starters kind of started to get into a, gro- a little more of a groove all together at the same time. Not to say that they weren't doing well before. Uh, a stew do had a had a really good second quarter. She finished with 16 points, 7-11 from the field, two threes made, nine rebounds, two steals, and a block. She had a, a really good game. Uh, Steph Dolson, six of ten from the field, hit three threes, sixteen points, seven rebounds, three assists, a steal as well. She played solid, but it really felt like in it was in the fourth quarter when they all kind of were like, okay, like we're we're gelling now. Now it's not your turn, my turn, which it kind of felt like in the first half. It it was just a free flowing offense where everyone was getting involved and and everyone was contributing. And that's the kind of Sky team that they'll need moving forward if they want to take down these really top-to-bottom talented teams. They're going to need all their talent to be able to step up at the same time. And really what that translates to is the offense flowing well, the offense playing well overall, which, getting a little bit into the downsides of the game, the offense struggled, especially in the first half. The reason you kind of saw Courtney Vandersloot struggle a little bit scoring the ball at times and having to take some tough looks 
and you saw Allie Quigley maybe maybe fade a little bit into the background, not looking as aggressive, and you saw some of the bench players come in and not really be able to do much, obviously in limited time, but not necessarily being put in a great positions to score and get themselves going, which I think more than anything, the bench needs that because they're playing such limited time that if they're not in that groove early, they're just not going to get in that groove. And so what you saw is a lot of these plays where the sky were kind of a bit stagnant, which is the antithesis of sky basketball. And they were they were stagnant. Players weren't getting good looks. I, I, I feel like Kalia Copper in particular was a huge victim of this. I think two of her shots came at the end of the shot clock, and that's unfair to her. She just got past the ball and was, was put into a tough situation, had to take tough shots. And again, that kind of goes down to the offense in that second quarter really struggling. Now, luckily, this guy had a Stu do who just had a monster second quarter, and she was doing it by herself. Again, she wasn't being able to do it in the flow of the offense with nice, easy looks or at least better looks than she was getting. She was having to make tough shots, and thankfully for the sky, she did make those shots. She kept them above the mercury and kept them afloat for that third quarter explosion that did come. And when you talk about that third quarter, it's just you have the sky coming out and just completely running over the mercury and a completely different offense shows up and that's a credit to James Wade at halftime being able to get his team to adjust properly and that's a credit to the players being able to adjust on their own properly because they they really look like a whole different team they went on that 9-0 run and just completely flattened the mercury and then in the fourth quarter again like I said you had that offense clicking and that means that everyone Amongst the starters is getting involved, whether they're getting assists, they're getting points, they're all getting involved and getting on the board. And seeing that was was a very good sign for the sky because depth doesn't matter. Having a lot of talent doesn't necessarily matter if you can't get that talent involved. And I think if you want to nitpick the sky, and it does feel like nitpicking considering how well they played the rest of the game, but if you want to nitpick the sky, it's that second quarter where the offense couldn't quite flow. And the reason I'm I'm focusing on this, I don't want to sound like I'm a Debbie Downer on this huge victory in which, again, the second half, they look like monsters. They look like the Sky team that we know they can be and that they have the potential to be this year. But the fact of the matter is, as you get through the rounds and you're playing more and more talented teams, when you're facing a team like the Las Vegas Aces, those second quarters can get uglier a lot quicker. And they're going to make your lives a lot more difficult than the Mercury were able to do shorthanded. And a big part of that is going to come down to the defense they face. Again, no disrespect to the Mercury, but once Brittany Griner went out, the Sky's bigs were able to just kind of free roam and that opened things up for the rest of the team. It's a lot easier to take it to the rack when you know Brittany Griner isn't going to be there to swap the life out of the ball. And on the opposite end of that is the Sky looking pretty bad on defense in the first half. Which, again, this isn't a team that prides itself on its consistent defense because the defense is inconsistent. They can have games where they're very solid for stretches and for quarters, but they're very rarely able to string together a a really complete game on the defensive end of the floor. Which, again, it's tough to do with how much talent there is in the W, but this guy in particular have struggled to do that consistently. And, And the Mercury game is no different. The first half... The Mercury was shooting lights out, and they were getting a lot of easy looks. They were getting a lot of shots at the rim off backdoor cuts. The Sky were not covering them well in the pick and roll at all. It it really just seemed like the Mercury's offense was just doing whatever they wanted on the floor in that first half. And when the Sky's offense is struggling like they did in the first half during stretches, 
that's when they can't pull away. It really felt like, you know, just sitting there watching the game, I just kept going to myself, like, how is Chicago only up four points right now? How, how are the Mercury still close? Like, they're missing all this talent. Brittany Griner had gone down. And the, the Mercury didn't look particularly good throughout those stretches, but the Sky's defense just could not put things together. And then in the second half, they stepped up a little more. They, lo- they looked a lot more solid. But again, that, that kind of goes down to Duana Bonner kind of got worn down a little bit from the load that she had to carry. And, you know, again, shout out to Duana Bonner. She had a really good game given the circumstances. And again, the Mercury without Griner, their leading scorer. And so it, it's tough to kind of evaluate the defense. I think it, it's what Wade said after the game that they they have to get better they have to do better he was he was pretty positive overall in the postgame presser which you know he's he's a pretty realistic guy in the postgame presser probably more leaning into pessimism but that was that was the biggest thing that he made note of was how shaky they were on defense and again that's not something they can do against the aces and I'm, I'm gonna kind of transition into talking more about the aces here because that is the matchup coming up this Sunday at 4 p.m central time. And I, I mean, I worry about the sky. They're, they're going on the road. They're facing Las Vegas, who on their own is just a really good team. But they're also a team that the sky have had bad blood with. They've had trouble with in the past. They're a team with just three really good bigs that can play like wrecking balls. And that can be the sky's kryptonite at times. And so first and foremost, I think what I'm interested in seeing is what's kind of the energy of the game? Because I feel like every Sky Vegas game this season has kind of felt like a playoff game. That's something that a lot of people have made note of. It's felt like a playoff atmosphere. The players have felt like they were taking it seriously like a playoff game. And then there's also been that kind of energy that it could be a bloodbath at any given moment. You talk about the dust up between Cheyenne Parker and Liz Cambage, and then the resulting back and forth on Twitter between Cambage and a myriad of Sky players. I'm very curious to see if, and I, because I know this is going to be in the back of both teams' heads, that this was a thing during the regular season. It's not going to be something that anybody forgot about, but I'm curious to see if it materializes on the court. Do you think this get chippy early on? Is this a rough game early on that the rest let play? Or is it going to be a, a game with a million fouls? And I think with the Sky, if I'm the Sky, I, I'm hoping it's a clean game. I'm hoping it's called cleanly. As in, I'm hoping that the refs let both sides play. I'm hoping that the refs kind of give both teams the leeway to play a little rough around the edges. because. And this is something that uh, James K. and I have talked about on his podcast and online a little bit, the sky like to run. And when there's a ton of fouls in the game, that slows down the pace naturally and they can't run quite as much. And then you have a team like the aces who loves to live at the free throw line. They led the league in free throw attempts by a hundred free throws. And obviously they play at a very fast pace, you know, they're second to the sky. So that, that impacts that number, but it, it says it all. They like to get to the line. They are incredibly good at getting to the line and that could prove trouble for the sky. I think that's been a big thing that's kind of hindered them in playing as the best version of themselves against the aces again the aces like to play fast which in theory if you're the sky you don't necessarily mind getting in a horse race with any team in this league other than the washington mystics whole other caliber hopefully we'll have a chance to uh talk about the sky and the mystics matching up down the road but 
this guy have to get past the aces first and and this aces they like to run but those free throws really kind of give las vegas the best of both worlds because on the one hand you have them being able to dictate the pace of the game being able to outrun other teams but then they also are getting the safeguard of being able to get to the line and getting easy points and the sky are, are kind of a middling team in terms of free throw attempts they were Ranked fifth, about 14 free throws ahead of seventh place Indiana. But but again, the Sky also play at such a fast pace that that inflates their numbers. And so they're, they're well behind the Aces. And I would fully expect the Aces to probably beat them in that margin. That seems like a very safe prediction to make. But I think that's going to be a huge influence. As much as I hate saying that the way the game is reft is going to dictate how the game goes. I'm not, I'm not saying the sky are going to win or lose either way, but that will dictate a decent amount of how the sky play and whether or not they have to get a little bit bogged down in the half court. And when I say that, I, I don't mean to say it as if the sky are bad in the half court because, because they're not their numbers in the half court across most of the board are, are very good. And the big thing, though, is that the Aces have one of the best half-court defenses in the league. They have the best half-court defense in the league, but they have the eighth-best transition defense in the league per synergy. And so that's a big thing that the Sky can exploit. But again, exploiting that means that they have to get on the break. They have to be able to figure out a way to run, to get in transition when the aces are finishing up shooting free throws. And if you want a player like Diamond to Shields to have another huge game, you need to run. That's when she's at her best. And that's when most of the Sky's players are at their best. And so I expect to see Courtney Vandersloot, who, again, I was talking about, is felt like she had a low-key game, again, despite 11 assists. That's where I want to see her really make her mark on this game. Even if it's a parade to the free throw line for the aces, do the arguing with the refs. I want to see Bandersloot hanging out, ready for some some long inbounds passes and just pushing the pace immediately. I think the big thing for the sky against the aces is that they're going to have to make their own pace because the aces are going to try to slow the game down by getting to the line and then allow themselves to get into a groove by getting in transition and then continue to get to the line, slow the sky down and try to exploit them in the half court as much as they can. Chicago has to play this game on their own terms and assert their own identity on this game, which I know that they are very well capable of doing. Another very obvious storyline that I'm going to be looking forward to is Liz Cambage and Asia Wilson as well, but Liz Cambage as the primary point because of all the drama of that regular season game. I want to see how she matches up against Steph Dolson, a stew do and Cheyenne Parker, that trio, because this is, again, the Sky are a little bit of a different team now. Dew is obviously playing starters minutes and has played really well in her time. So I want to see how that trio can kind of attack the two-headed monster that is Cambage and Wilson. And I think this could be a really pivotal moment in Steph Dolson's career. Not to say that she hasn't had success in the past or anything. She's obviously a multi-time all-star. She's had some excellent seasons, and she's had a really good season this year. Her numbers are down, but she has been really integral to this team's locker room in terms of on-court performance as well. But I think this could be kind of pivotal moment in her career in the sense that how can she respond after having that really tough outing against the Aces, having all the drama that went with it that was very clearly upsetting and kind of just dealing with all this foul trouble throughout the season. Can she respond? 
Can she keep herself out of foul trouble? And can James Wade find a way to make her not the focal point of this offense, but more of a focal point? I, I tweeted this out during the Mercury game in the first half when the Sky were really struggling in that second quarter. And what I want to see when, when the Sky can't get anything going and even Courtney Vandersloot can't work her magic in the half court and they're kind of just getting some cotton mouth, I want to see them go to Steph Dolson in the post and let people buzz around her, let her try to back down just a little bit, and let her throw those passes because she is just such a good passer, period. Not just for a big. She is just such a good passer, period. And you can run an offense through her for sets. It's not what you're going to do play by play throughout a whole game. You don't have to take the ball out of Vandersloot's hand or DeShield's hand or Allie Quigley's hand for long stretches of time, but I would love to see some more Dolson looks in the high posts and letting her go to work because she's looked really good there all season and her advanced numbers in the post are just excellent. And when the Sky are struggling to get anything going, to get ball movement going, to get flow going, which they very well might struggle against the Aces, again, a great half-court defensive team, if the Sky are struggling to do that, I would love to see that as, as a look because it's a look that teams don't necessarily have to prep for a ton because the Sky have underutilized her a little bit this year. And I say underutilized with the point that there have been better options throughout the season and that better option tends to be Courtney Vandersloot whizzing the ball around. So I understand why she hasn't necessarily filled that role all season, but I think in the playoffs when you as a head coach, you know, you're going to be put in these spots where you have to be creative. You have to figure out a way to either motivate your players to play the way that they need to play or find a new way for them to adjust. And again, it's not about changing your identity. It's about tweaking it. It's about making it work in the scenario that you're given. And quite frankly, the aces are, are probably not going to provide a very good scenario for the sky. They're going to make it incredibly tough for Chicago to play the way they want to play. And I think Adding Steph Dolson a little more into the mix could be a good wrinkle into that and a good way to throw the aces off and then open the rest of the game up for your team, let you run a little more, and let your roster dictate the flow of the game, not the aces roster. And for me, that's that's really the make or break of this game. It's the Sky's offense, which again, the Sky have an incredible offense. By all metrics, it's incredibly efficient. It's very effective. It's been effective most of the season. But if that offense isn't clicking, the defense doesn't provide a lot of wiggle room at all. And if the Aces are playing at any level that I know they can play at, the Sky are going to be in trouble if that offense isn't showing up for four quarters. Chicago is more than capable of winning a rock fight. They can win ugly. But to win ugly, you have to get to that point in the fourth quarter. Where you're just battering each other back and forth, and you're, you're just taking it down to the wire. The Sky can win those games, but they have to put themselves in a position to get there. And if the Sky are going to win, that's how I imagine it's going to happen. It's going to be finding ways to collapse the Aces' defense, force them to be uncomfortable, and make their identity on the offensive end of the floor. Don't let them get stops on you. Don't let them pump their fists when you miss a bucket, when you turn it over. Don't give them those opportunities. And again, it's a lot easier said than done, and it's going to come down to the sky being able to run, being able to keep the aces away from the free throw line, or even if they are getting to the free throw line, responding and still being able to get out in transition, or at least getting some mismatches with the aces on their heels. That's how the sky can win this game. It's not going to be a runaway. 
I just don't see that happening. Again, anything is possible. It's basketball. It's single elimination. It's literally the craziest form of deciding who is good in a sport, single elimination in basketball. I don't think you can name a, a, a worse decider of who's the best. Maybe NFL wildcard is up there, but anything can happen, obviously. But I think if the Sky are going to win this, it's going to have to be a close game. It's going to be a game where whether or not either team shoots well, the defenses are, are probably pretty poor or average at best because the offenses just kind of take over the floor of the game. And I think that's where this guy want it. They want this to be a, a game defined by offense, a game defined by fast play. And whatever the downsides to that are, even if this guy lose doing that, I think, I think that's the proper way to play this. And you wouldn't be able to fault them for losing like that. But again... We won't know until Sunday, 4 p.m. High Post Hoops will be having plenty of coverage, whether it's me covering it remotely or helping cover it remotely or our great writers there on site at the game covering it. We're going to have a ton of coverage. So, again, make sure you're following us on Twitter. The next time we talk here on the pod, the Sky season will either be over, so we'll have a reflection on the game, and then eventually I'll be having some articles and some podcasts kind of just breaking down how the season went, some reflection or we'll be talking about the Sky's next third round matchup, which depending on who advances out of the other side of the bracket, the Sky will either be facing the Connecticut Sun or the Washington Mystics. So again, return here. There's going to be plenty of good content either way. And as always, thank you for listening to episode 12 of the Skycast right here on Lockdown Women's Basketball on High Post Hoops. My name is Nick Niendorf. And if you like what you heard here today, make sure you're following us on Lockdown WBB and at High Post Hoops. Again, it's going to be plenty of playoff coverage. We're going to be entering into our college coverage season, so you're not going to want to miss any of that.